Good afternoon and welcome to Funny Like a Clown Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Dennis Worth, coming from Beantown. And uh, hey, we got Cheers. Remember the show Cheers? Beantown, it's all good. This is episode 18, March 31st, 2019. And we are here to discuss Stephen Wright. And to do that, I have uh, my guest, uh, local comedian Scott McNeil. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dennis. Thank Great you for being on. And, Thank you. Uh, I know on the uh, the national scene, uh, Stephen Wright's known as the king of the one-liners, and on the local scene, we call you king of the one-liners, so thank you. you're the perfect guy. I do have to mention that Funny Like a Clown Podcast is always brought to you by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce, for the spicy, sweet, savory taste of game time, there is only one G Vegas, and because you're in studio today, usually we have phone calls in, but Scott's in studio, we've actually brought in some G Vegas Buffalo sauce. Look at that right there. Mm-hmm. Is that looking yummy? It that's is. your gift for being in studio. You oh, can take man. that home with you today. Do so I have to report this to the IRS? That's right. You have to tell everybody how good the G Vegas Buffalo Absolutely. sauce is. So for our in-studio okay. guests, they get the... And uh, we got a big uh, backyard barbecue contest coming up in Gardner, Massachusetts to promote G Vegas this summer. So Buffalo sauce, man. All right, but there enough about go. Buffalo sauce. Let's talk about Stephen Wright, okay? All right. Um, now, I know you're a big fan of his, and you've had a few interactions with him. Tell us about your interactions with him. Well, I think, too, I'd be a little bit chronological. I, uh, in the, uh, around 1983, 84, I was living in southern Florida down near Naples, and I loved watching late-night TV, and that's when I first saw him. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, this, uh, this guy's amazing. I love this style of humor and how clever he is, and uh, highly intelligent jokes. Different, very different. Everybody said what he was doing was different. And I was shocked to learn that he was a, not only a New England comic, but he's originally from Burlington, Massachusetts. Right. And I grew up next door in Lexington, Massachusetts. So you were drinking the same Boston water. You Must love that dirty I, water. I don't know if it's the radon in the water or what. But <laughs> what it is, but that's it. they're kicking comics out of there, sure. But well, we're uh, both um, partially Scottish, too. So, hey, good Scottish joke, right? Mean, right? You know, so. But, but uh, uh, you've met him a few times. What was it like meeting him? Well, I, I mean, it was kind of, I love, love a person. I love autographs. I love to interact with someone. I love a picture with, you know, people. You know, people. I, I love to meet my idols, and he's... Picture says a thousand words. It is, and I, uh, I met him the first time. was up in Portsmouth, uh, New Hampshire, at a benefit he was doing uh, at the music hall. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some of the people were saying, you know, he's got who he meets, and that's it, and uh, I happened to encounter him, and... Uh, now, how was he off stage? Was he cool to, to treat you good, or was he very, kind of standoffish, or...? Uh, extremely humble, right from the beginning, very... I asked him for a picture, and he went to pose, and I said, actually, the light's not good here, and I thought he'd say, well, you're out of luck, but he actually... <laughs> he moved with you, yeah? No, he moved. He moved about 30 feet away. He found a spot with better light, and he said, how's this? And I yeah, was just... Cool. You know, it's always cool when you don't forget where you come from. That's cool, but... Very humble person, and very... A very nice guy. Well, what uh, what makes you such a fan of his? I just love the cleverness of the jokes. I mean, they're they're clean, which I like to be a right. very uh, clean comic. And um, a lot of the punchlines I can't see coming. I like when I can't feel like there's a spin or a twist or something that's right, right. not. A lot of jokes you can know what the punchline is if uh, once you do this long enough and. When you get someone they don't know, that's always a good. Thing. I think too. Even he's so creative that when he comes out with something. I still can't predict it. It's not like I learned his formula and then... Right, right, right. Because he... It wasn't like he wasn't the first guy doing one-liners, but he added the deadpan, slow delivery right. to it where it really made They're it... They probably referred to Henny Youngman or someone yeah, like right. that. Right, I mean, that's, he was the original king of the one-liners beforehand, but... 
Um, so what's your favorite memory of all this comedy, everything he's done? Do you have a favorite joke or a favorite memory of an album or special or anything? Uh, well, actually, I like, uh, he did a short movie thing. I've seen it on YouTube. It's The Appointments of Dennis uh, Jennings. Right, right. And, talking about that, yeah. And there's certain moments in it that I just love, and I love when he's, uh, just to pick an example, he took the cassette recorder, uh, uh, you know, for his answering machine, he took the cassette out and put it in his Walkman. I know these are all dated right, right. things, but he's walking along the, the kids sidewalk. Kids are out there, what's yeah. a cassette recorder, yes. right? Yes. Luckily, they can Google these That's things right. to find out. All right, so um, he's a Boston guy, as we mentioned. Uh, he's known for his lethargic voice, slow, deadpan delivery of short, ironic, philosophical jokes, mostly one-liners. Um, Ranked 15th greatest comedian by Rolling Stone and 23 by Comedy Central. And I'm guessing you probably put him higher than that on your personal list. Where, where would you... I think number one. Number one, really. He's right. He's all right. Number one for... That's Actually, what, that's what makes you the perfect he, guy. He gave me some advice. I told him about some frustration with uh, comedy festivals. Yeah. You know, competing comedy contests anyways. And he said before he was discovered, um, he was out in California. And out of 50 comics, he placed 29th. Well, yeah. So he said you can't really go by a comedy Even country. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, he, he ranked dead last in all the contests really? he did. And look, yeah. he went on to be one of the greatest legends of all time. One of my, one of my favorite Stephen Wright ones, uh, he called the airlines for a, a ticket. And the ticket woman said, uh, how many be flying? And he said, how the hell would I know? He said, it's your plane. It's your job, not yeah. mine. Right? <laughs> there you go. But... Uh, as you mentioned, uh, he won an Academy Award for Best Live Action Short Film for the appointments of Dennis Jennings, which I haven't seen. Now, what's that about exactly? You give us a rough. I know it's a short film, but what, what is the um, he's, premise? Um, he's got a girlfriend, and he's seeing a therapist who's played by, uh, was it Rowan Atkins, Mr. Bean, the guy from England. Okay. And uh, it kind of gives it away a little bit, but it turns out that... Um, the therapist has started seeing his girlfriend on the side. Oh, jeez. And uh, a big no-no in therapy, too. <laughs> of course, Stephen has some of his great lines in it. He, when he first sits down with him, he said, well, the thing I want to do is find um, my real stepfather. He said, my natural parents won't tell me. Right, okay. <laughs> oh, yes. But I know short films, they're usually they're like a commercial for a bigger movie that try to get you interested. About how long was the movie, would you say? About 28 minutes. Oh, so, so that's a long short film right yeah. there. Most are a lot shorter than oh, that. Oh, are they? Yeah. Uh, I know that. Well, most short films are like a commercial, you know, to try and get you interested, and then if people are interested, they'll make a movie I, about I it. I will so. say, too, on YouTube, if you put in Stephen Wright Part 1, there's a five-part thing that just shows him, like, at his peak. Yeah. And it's, uh, I love that. A lot of his jokes, sure. Uh, he won two, uh, well, he's emanated two primetime Emmy Awards for being the producer of Louie. Now, is that something you watched, or? I missed that one. Uh, you missed that one? Okay, because that show, I mean, I know that went on to be some, a big hit, and I had no idea he was the producer of it, but him and Louis C.K., they're both Boston guys, right? So, I mean, it kind of made sense where all us Beantown guys stick together, don't we? Well, it's kind of like Christopher Lloyd. I met him in, at a Comic-Con, Okay. and one of the things I said was uh, congratulations on the success of the TV show Modern Family. And he said, thank you, but that's a different Christopher Lloyd. Oh, <laughs> same name, different <laughs> he guy. He said, even my own family thinks that's me. So. All right, so he was born in Cambridge, Mass., uh, as you mentioned, grew up in Burlington. Uh, he said some of his influences in comedy were George Carlin and Woody Allen. Mm -hmm. uh, who, besides Stephen Wright, who were some of your other influences? Uh, Emo Phillips. Okay. Uh, Henny Youngman. 
So most of the one-liners, and that's... I kind of like, you know, a little bit of Mitch Hedberg, too. I kind of... One-liners uh, again, right? Yeah. yeah, I kind of like some of George Carlin, but I uh, I like the cleverness part of it. I don't like the shock value type of jokes. So. Right, right, but, okay, yeah. Uh, now, this was an interesting one, because we're Boston guys, and we hear all the stories about all the old comics. Uh, in 1982, the executive producer of The Tonight Show... Uh, Peter LaSalle. Peter Sally, okay. Uh, he was at the Ding Ho Chinese Food Restaurant, and... If you know, we know about the Ding Ho, that was the original place where Boston comedy started for the big names, and uh, he, he, now, from what I hear, you know, uh, they started this room, it was the only place of comedy, and there was starting to be a little bit of rumble in the comedy world that, you know, they had something going on out here in Boston, so he said, okay, you set up a night, I'll come out there and I'll look at the comics, and this was like, producer of the Tonight Show coming, this was the biggest of the biggest things coming, and uh, he went into the Ding Ho, um... He was so impressed uh, that he booked Stephen Wright on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and uh, Stephen Wright went on the Tonight Show, and he killed it so bad he was like one of the first comics ever. He was asked to be, appear again the same week, yes. which I don't know if that ever happened. But I mean, now from what I heard about this, because I've I've done some research into the thing, oh, that the night they had the contest, Stephen Wright he went up there and performed. And after the show, he left. He didn't even stick around to find out that's, who the winners that's were. That's what I understand, yes. So the, what, what, what were your stories you heard about the thing, Hall? Well, um, Peter LaSalle, who was like the talent scout for Johnny Carson, was coming to Boston because I believe he had a son who was looking for a college. So he thought he'd try to tie it into a business trip, too, where he uh, uh, might have been Barry Crimmins. He contacted the Ding Ho and said, I want you to line up. He was one. the one, Barry Crimmins, he ran the Ding Ho, just so yes. people know. Yes, yes. Uh, to, to set up one comic after another, right. and um, it was just a flood of comics, they were all excited, and uh, like you said, I think Stephen was the only one who just And they asked home. him, yeah, after the show, you know, later on, why did you take off? And he said, you know, that, that was the dream, it wasn't even real to me that I could win, because you know as well as I do, we're on the local Boston comedy scene, we do a lot of contests, and if you do the contest, it has less to do with how funny you are and more to do with how many people you can bring to cheer for you, how many, you know, butts you can fit. So it really has no, you know, a contest has nothing to do with how funny you are. If you've, you know, outside of comedy, you might think it does. But if you're in the comedy world, you know, 99% of them are fixed. So I can see why he took off because it wasn't even reality he'd win. Well, uh, I saw an interview with Steven and he said, I think it was like a week or two later, he got a call and I uh, saying, you know, this is Peter LaSalle from The Tonight Show. And, uh... He's like, okay, who is this? Because, you know, being in comedy, people are going to prank you. Right, right, So right. he didn't believe it was real. I'm like, no, we... Sure, yeah, sure, you beat us out, right? <laughs> but uh, I know, I heard from other, you know, things I've watched about The Tonight Show was like, if you're a comedian, you're on The Tonight Show, you do your set, then you look over at Johnny, and he'll either wave at you to come over to the desk for an interview, or he won't wave, and that's how you know whether he liked your set or not. But I right. mean, Stephen didn't only get the wave... He, he got invited to be on the same week, which was unprecedented for a comic. That's how impressed Johnny was with him. And I know Johnny actually offered him a, a writing position on his staff. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, can you imagine? I mean, Johnny Carson, he was the king back then. You remember Johnny? You're a sure. main comic. I mean, th this was just the launch of the guy's career. But uh, the Ding Ho Chinese food restaurant, like I said, uh, other alumni were uh, Lenny Clark, Barry Cummings, who ran it, we mentioned, Steve Sweeney. Bill Sonhage, Jimmy Tingle, Jay Leno, Bobcat Goldwig, so I mean... And Tony V. Tony V. Can you imagine just all those legends just in one place? Mind-boggling. And, and I, you know, I interviewed Lenny on a, I did a TV show and he said we had no idea. We did it for 20 bucks. We were just having a fun time. They had no idea they'd go on to be the legends. And 
who knows? Maybe you know, thirty years from now, we'll be the legend, Scott. That's it. We gotta look, gotta look forward to it, right? <laughs> but uh, right, 1985, he came out with a Kami album, "I Have a Pony," and it got nominated for a Grammy. What do you remember most about "I Have a Pony"? Just the, the variety of jokes. I mean, it, I that's one thing I like is it's not just one topic. Someone might see the M and think, "Well, it's about a pony." Well, there's a mention of a pony in it. But it's a whole spectrum of all sorts of jokes. Right. And um, I think it was 20 years late, 22 years later, he came up with a second one, which was I Still Have a Pony. I Still Have a Pony. Yes. One of his later albums. But you only get so much time on an album. And I mean, he had so much material, and he had to put the best of his best material that he thought on that album. And I know uh, he nominated for Grammy. I guess he did the, did the job. Uh, that album launched him to HBO, wanted to do a special that was taped at Wolfgang's in San Francisco. And... Uh, it became one of HBO's most requested comedy specials ever. What, what do you remember about his HBO special? Anything there? Well, I know I've seen it. I have it on DVD at home. I think I've seen it on YouTube, and it's it's outstanding. I mean, it, it shows him. I mean, it's, of course, it's some years ago, but it uh, starts in a, in a desert, uh, like a little tiny house out in the middle of nowhere, and he's living there, and uh, he, he turns on the radio that's on a table, and it changes the weather outside, and... Uh, it's a lot of uh, clever but ridiculous things, which is what I love. Well, and, which inspired you, because that's kind of the same thing you do in your routine, right? Yes, well, that's one of the things that surprised me, is I, I thought Stephen Wright was the top of the people who do that style of comedy, but I find almost no one does that style of comedy. And right, I've had right. quite a few people say that my style of comedy or my writing is very similar to his. I've even had people come over to me after a show and like, are those Stephen Wright's jokes? Right. It's tough. I mean, if you tell a routine, you can one routine can fill, you know, five minutes. I mean, if you're telling one-liners, you, you got to do an yes. awful lot of writing to fill five minutes. That's. But what a compliment for someone to say, you know, they compare you to your idol. And, you know, yeah, they yeah, right. they think, yeah, they think, yeah, they're his jokes, right? Yeah, yes. So. Uh, he had a reoccurring role on Mad About You with uh, the show of Paul Reisner and Helen Hunt. Do you remember that, Eddie? Or? I used to see it sometimes, and I used to see him on there. I think Paul Reisner's going to be up in uh, New Hampshire. He has a headliner, as I saw that. Yeah, yes. and, uh, but, I mean, you, you watch a lot of the old shows, and you don't realize it back then. You watch them again now. He was on that. I didn't realize right. it, but they weren't stars back then. That's why you didn't realize it. But, mm. uh, he was uh, Oscar, He won an Oscar award for the appointments of uh, Dennis Jennings in 1989. Two Emmy nominations for Louis in uh, 2014 and 2015. Now, here's one that kind of surprised me, because we're Boston guys. I never even heard about this place. But in uh, December 15, 2008, he was the first inductee into the Boston Comedy Hall of Fame. Do you have any idea where the Boston Comedy Hall of Fame is? It doesn't really exist. It doesn't really? It's okay, no, tell us the story. Well, the, the, this is the interesting thing that you bring that up, is because I remember the exact date of that. That's December 15, 2008. Yeah. And it took... The award took place out in Foxborough, and it's more of a symbolic gesture than an actual physical building. That's, it was at Patriot Place, wasn't it? Because I yes. thought I had read something about it, but exactly. there is no actual Hall of Fame at Patriot Place. At least Place. not at that time, and I still believe that it's, that's how it's meant okay, to be. So but it's more, more of an online symbolic thing that they did. There's not actually a... Well, it was kind of a tribute Hall to him, but they had <laughs> all sorts of uh, New England legends there, and Tony V was the MC. Oh, okay. And as soon as the show ended... It was like a flood of people leaving, and I'm like, there's Lenny Clark, there's Jimmy Tingle, Stephen Wright, right. uh, Mike McDonald, right? and I'm like, what are these people leaving? This is, you know, as good as the show to meet these people. Wow. So I walked around, and I ended up talking for a while with Tony V. So it was an actual live show they did to, to induct them in, right? Right. So, okay. But this is how, that, this was the night I got my start in comedy that you happened to bring up. Oh, okay, yeah. And I, I told some jokes to Tony V, and yeah. 
and I didn't have any agenda. And uh, he said, those are really good jokes. And he said, I tell you what, give my friend at Giggles uh, a call and tell him I said you're going on. So that's how it's odd that you mentioned that right, night because that's... That's how you got your start. There you go. Okay, so... But I want the fans to know, I mean, you're a big fan and he really inspired you, but tell, tell, tell right now your two favorite Stephen Wright jokes, the one-liners. Oh, boy, I don't know if I have favorites, but uh, one was uh, I'm paraphrasing about uh, uh, went to a, a factory that makes fire hydrants. You couldn't park anywhere near the place. All right, that's a popular one. What's yeah. another one? Um, I don't get it with uh, ballerinas. He's, he said, why do they make them stand on their tiptoes? Why don't they just hire taller dancers? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, just to compare, tell us two of your personal jokes that are two of your favorite jokes that you have. Well, I just recently got some um, devastating news. I've just been diagnosed with stage four hypochondria. Doctor says six months from now I'll think I'm dead. Okay. <laughs> That's one. Give us another one of your favorites. Okay. Um, I, uh, I have a prescription uh, to treat my obsessive compulsive disorder. Okay. It's a one milligram pill, and of course, I, I take it a thousand times a day. <laughs> That's a lot to take a pill, isn't it? But but you can see why your jokes are being a mistake for some of Stephen Wright's because I mean it's right up your alley where. Well, and he helped me with Stephen helped me with some insight too because I was talking about trying testing out jokes, right. and for most of my life I've always had my sense of humor, and when I you know talk with coworkers or acquaintances or whatever they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And Stephen's like, you can't really test them on your friends. You have to test them in a comedy club on a stage. It's a whole different mindset. Okay. And I'm like, well, I found that to be very true. All right, we're filming here in Lemister, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. I'm in a conference room at the Double Tree. Do you hear, like, noises in here? Because I'm starting to think this room's haunted. Is it just me or you? Could be the voices in my head. The voices in your head are coming through my sure. head, too. But I'm here, boy. <laughs> we don't know what's going on in the conference room, but okay. Um, but, I mean, they, like you said, that's such a compliment to you. If some, I mean, they thought some of your jokes were Stephen Wright's. Because, I mean, I'm a Sam Kennison fan. Right. And I was thinking that. If yeah. somebody told me, hey, one of your jokes remind me of Sam Kennison, I'd be like, hey, hey give me a hug, yeah. you know. I mean, yes. It's the ultimate compliment, you know. And people think you're ripping them off. I was like, yeah, ripping them off. I was so influenced by the guy that, you know, that's what I'm going to sound like. I'd love to perform with him. But, you know, you, I was talking earlier about Emo Phillips. There's a little video I put on YouTube of uh, Emo inviting me on stage to right, tell I remember he told one joke. Yeah, that was I was wearing this shirt at the time, in fact. Right, so that's a good memory for you. All right, uh, Stephen Wright's discography. Uh, I Have a Pony, a Stephen Wright special, The Appointments of Dennis Jennings, One Soldier, uh, When the Leaves Blow Away, and I Still Have a Pony. So out of all those, which one would be your, your favorite? I still stick with kind of uh, Dennis Jennings, but I like I love his HBO special. Okay, it's almost like I like things joke by joke, but again, that's uh, you know he, he can perform and jump from topic to topic, and I love that. Right now, I mean, I know his, his HBO special it was like one of the most requested specials of all time, which I thought George Carlin actually held the record for most HBO comedy specials. So I mean. To put him in, probably he was honored to be put in one of his heroes' name because he said George is one of his influence, and you know. And he has an amazing memory. So I, I get, you would have to to remember that many one-liners. Oh my God, I don't know. If yes, I but do I it. mean even a, a long term because he, you know, he meets how many people every week, and um, I get to visit with him maybe every two or three years. Right, right, right. And I went to follow up on something, you know, like part two, like two years later. And I was in the middle of starting to, to tell him the, the, the beginning part of it, to remind him. And he interrupted me. He said, you told me this two years ago. Yeah, right. It seems and I'm like, wow. How but I you want know? you to know it's so bad, right? <laughs> how did he remember that? Well, right? I wanted to yeah. tell him the, the, the update, the part two. 
We said, no, just tell me the but part two. I already remember part one. And I'm like, wow, wow. amazing. All right, we've got a few questions from the fans here, sure. and uh, you want to get your reaction on those. But um, m most of them, I said, you know, I asked the fans, and most of them were right in their favorite one-liner of Steven, which I can say, you know, if you want to listen to that, go buy his albums. I wanted more personal stories than I did just you reciting his work. But everybody's such a fan of his work, they want to tell their favorite joke of his. Right. But, uh, Seth Aronson wrote in, uh, my favorite moment was when my cassette tape of I Have a Pony broke from being played too much. Now, if any, now, for the younger kids that don't know cassette tapes, that was before CDs, okay? And they were this little reel. And uh, have, you, have you ever had a cassette tape that wore out? Because I was a big Van Halen fan, and 5150 was my favorite album. And I actually played that Van Halen 5150 album so much, it started to slow down. I wore it out. I listened to it so much. But... Well, for me, it's The Doors. Okay, so The Doors. You ever yeah. wore out one of their cassette tapes? Or... Not only wore it out, but I had a, a 1979 Z28 Camaro, and it sucked up the tape. It didn't, oh, okay. It, so, so I had to get up the tweezers and the whole bit. To, the kids don't know the problems we had back then. Because CDs, they never wear out. They're yeah. built to last forever. And remember, you used to have to put the pen inside the little hole on the cassette tape and roll the yes. put back in the thread. But uh, All right, Steve Scarfo writes in, I was running Jester's Comedy Club, and he stopped by a few times to work out some new material, a highlight for me for sure. Now, have you ever been in a comedy club where a big star you know, came in, just a surprise thing, just to work out material? Because, um, I mean, okay, we, we, I mean do, we do open mics, which is, you know, that's how right. we get ready for our bigger shows wherever we're playing at a comedy club, you know, and people don't realize that Stephen Wright, he does, you know, big stadium shows, but he needs to get ready for those shows. Sure, that's he's how been he does at the it. comedy studio, I know. Yeah, that. he stops by comedy clubs, that's how he works out his new material to play. I think I'm just blessed because I encounter these people here and there, like Justin McKinney, uh, the Winner's Circle, Mike McDonald's up there. Right, a bunch of uh, Boston local legends. But yeah. I was at, uh, well, you were there with me, actually, Gotham Comedy Club, and... Uh, I was standing in the green room on my phone. I look up. I'm standing next to Jerry Seinfeld and Jim Gaffigan. They had done the early show. I oh, did yes. the late show, and we met in the green room. And I'm like, I'm standing next to Jerry Seinfeld. I don't believe it. And he shook it, your hand. He Jerry. did. He was very, Jerry was very nice. Jim, he wasn't so nice. Well, when, when Jim walked by me on the sidewalk. You said he came out, and you guys said so. So are you busy or something? No, Rob Steen was with us, and he pointed out. He said, that's Jim Gaffigan. He's like 125 feet away. So I just instantly, I yelled out, I'd never met him before, but I yelled, hey, Jim, Jim, it's me, Scott. Yeah. And he turned around and he waved and he's like, hey, sorry, I don't have time, but great to see you. Yeah, I ain't got time for your fans. Thanks, man. But, <laughs> no, but Jerry was cool. I'll tell you, there was, uh, he was going to walk downstairs and this young kid went up on the side of him to shake his hand. And most people would have kept walking like they didn't see him. Jerry hit the bottom of the stairs, turned around, walked right back up those stairs to shake that that's young kid's hand. Yeah. And I said, man, that's classy. Jim Gaffigan, he was freaking out. He said, I'm getting noticed. I'm getting noticed. I get out of here. I'm getting noticed. Boom. Really? Went dodging through the crowd and took yeah. off. I'm like, why hopefully are you doing we'll, comedy if you don't want me to Hopefully we'll have that problem. We're not on that day. level, so I guess we don't <laughs> know. All right. Uh, Kennedy Richard writes in, uh, seeing him on The Tonight Show and describing him to my friends the next day. Now, being a fan of Sam Kennison's, I know, you know, we got to ask our friends to come out and see us because that's how, you know, we don't have a big following in comedy. And when Sam was at the comedy store... Just everybody who went to see him, they were telling their friends, and he had such a huge following from just people mm. explaining his act that, the, you know, once your friend told you, you had to go see the guy, but I mean... Can I tell in a moment? Yeah, go ahead. Um, one of the last times I saw Stephen, I had to ask him a question. I said, uh, you know, you tell a lot of, like, abstract type of jokes. Have you ever had people, or how many people have you been aware of that thought that anything that you were saying was real? And he's, he was like, well, no one, that would be crazy. Yeah. I said, well, I have. <laughs> so he wanted to hear this story. So I told him I was working up in uh, 
North Andover, and my opening joke was basically about becoming a father for the first time, and that I was extra nervous because I, well, I hadn't told my wife yet. Was the punchline? <laughs> what do you think of it? So after the show, all the people were leaving. This one lady, I think she was a couple years older than me, came over and she touched my arm. And I was standing at the bar, and she had a big smile. She said, "We loved the show. You were great. All the other comics were great." And I wanted yeah. to take a moment and say congratulations. All right, and, that, and I said, "You don't have any kids for the people yeah. to know. It's just yeah, a no, joke, right?" So she pointed. She said, "About the baby." I said, "There's no baby. It's just a joke." Lady. And she said, "What's your wife think about it? You know that you make up right, jokes." Right, right. And I said, I've never been married. And he's no like, really? She said, you guys just make things up. And Stephen was almost crying. He thought it was so funny. <laughs> Welcome so, to the real world. Yes. Yeah, so. I mean, but that's what people... But some of the funniest jokes are the real life stuff if you tell us a story. But they don't get... You know, most of the stuff you make up. That's and, what a joke and is. And the audience probably wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, it's usually. not real. But uh, now Ken Rogerson, who he's another legend of oh, Boston yeah, I've Comedy worked with him. He's a great guy. Now, he's actually a friend of Stephen Wright's. He wrote in... Him kidnapping my father in a really funny way from his hospital room. He made no demands for ransom and has yet to return him two years later. We're still laughing about it. So that's kind of cool that even when you get on the next level, you still play jokes like that with your friends, you know? Because, I mean, the camaraderie in comedy, I think that's part of the fun is making new friends and stuff like it that. It really is. There's a strong bond between comics, and uh, we, we work with each other a lot. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's your family. you got a comedy family and your regular family, and... I'm glad you're part of my comedy family, Scott. Absolutely. All right, we end up every show with some trivia. You ready for some Stephen Wright trivia? God, God help me. Here we go. And i got to set the premise that nobody ever does good on trivia, okay? Uh, so well, I get my grade first and then get asked Well, the most people get one for three. I asked three questions. Nobody's ever gone three for three. Most people go one for three. I think the record was two for three. I'm an overachiever, so I'll go for four Well, you three. know, I had you on my cooking show once. I do a television show other than the podcast, before <laughs> the podcast, and I did funny food questions, and I think you were the only one who ever got the funny food question right. So really? Wow. You have set the bar. Are you ready? Ready. Here we go. What popular 1979 TV show... Did Stephen portray a security guardian? A sitcom? Yeah, it was a sitcom, yes. What popular 1979 TV show did Stephen portray a security guardian? Well, I'll, just, I'll just take a guess. Taxi. Not close. WKRP in Cincinnati. The episode was a fish story. And I met Lonnie Anderson. And you know, we him. probably watched that episode. We all watched it. And we never even realized it was him because he wasn't popular back then. You'll so have to pay attention, him. yeah. So now we'll have to go back. 79, huh? Yeah, way back then. Before he was discovered. Yeah. All right. Uh, number two. He supplied the voice of the radio DJ... In Quentin Tarantino's film, what film was it? He supplied the voice of the radio DJ in Quentin Tarantino's film. And I'd have never got this one if I didn't. Mary Poppins. Uh, that's, that's just wrong. It was actually Reservoir Dogs. Oh, I never saw that then. No, so I saw Reservoir thing. Dogs, okay. and I don't remember him as the DJ voice at all, but he was in there. All right, all right. The last one is fill in the lines. Maybe you know this is one of his jokes, all right? Okay. So fill in the punchline to this joke. Curiosity killed the cat, but... I would say for the second mouse gets the cheese. No, but for a while I was a suspect. Oh, yeah. Curiosity killed the cat, but for a while I was a subject. Should have known it. Should have known. Scott, I want to thank you for being a guest on Funny Like Clown Podcast. Um, you know, tell a little bit about yourself. What do you got coming up in comedy, or where can the people check you out if they want to check you out? Well, I'm uh, excited. I got rebooked to open up for Gilbert Godfrey. Really? Yes. I was at the first and, one you did. Great huh? job. I was yes. at the first time That's you right. for him. 
And this one is on my birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday. That's so, a good birthday. So um, it'll be uh, April 27th, 2019, up in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire at the Doubletree. Okay. And then I also got booked for November 15th. I know that's the way up. I'm opening up at the Bull Run in Shirley, Mass. for Lenny Clark. Really? Yes. Which you already did once for me, so it's be, again, you're opening for Lenny. <coughs> All right, so before we go, your parting words about Stephen Wright that you want people to know. I think it, it's great when someone's not only very talented, I like when they're humble, and they're, and they're, they're a very decent person. You know, it's, Don't uh, forget where you come from, right? I, I think it's even more than that. I think he has his own values. He's lived whatever his, his background is. He's a very compassionate person. He's very sincere. And I even had it when, uh, sometimes when I get to visit him for 10 or 15 minutes, um, I forget to get an autograph or something, and I'll say, "Oh, I'll say it in a soft voice." Oh, excuse me, Stephen, and he'll come rushing out of room, right and he's like, "What?" Well, 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 so I just didn't. Oh, okay, and uh, he didn't forget about you. No, you? I think he goes out of his way to pay attention, and you know, I mean, when you're popular like that, you've got to say no here and there. But I think uh, he's very as accommodating as anyone can be, and very humble, and. Um, I admire him. Good guy. One of your heroes. All right. Funny Like a Clown podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth, coming out of Beantown. And uh, be sure to catch more episodes of Funny Like a Clown podcast. We're all over the internet. Until next time, keep laughing, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Woo.